Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, uh, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean. Uh, a very quick, abbreviated Green and Gold Forever. If you've been following on the website or Facebook, uh, we've been having audio troubles this week. We actually recorded a, a pretty good full show for you yesterday, but unfortunately, it's not a very good audio quality, and uh, despite my best efforts to try to improve it, I just didn't feel that it was worthy of, of being posted on the website. So this week, we're going to have a, a much shorter show for you, so bear with us, and we'll try to have everything uh, in order for next week's edition of Green and Gold Forever. Luckily for us, though, the game that we had this past Sunday was maybe one of the least notable Packer games I can remember in quite some time. A big win for the team. They're now 8-4, and four, tied for first place, and they beat a division opponent in the Minnesota Vikings in a tough-fought 23-14 win at Lambeau Field. And we're going to bring Matt in here, and Matt, I guess, uh, without going into the full Packers review like we normally do, uh, given this week's circumstances, what were uh, a couple of the big things that came out of Sunday's game for you? Well, I guess mainly for me, um, you know, the defense was pretty much what we've seen, I guess what we've come to expect. So I think that kind of went to, uh, you know, what we've seen this, this year so far and what we've talked about. But the biggest thing for me that I took away was, obviously, first off, the run game was a lot more successful than it's been recently, mm -hmm. um, over 150 yards. And Stark looked awesome, which some bad news probably today, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, what I really took away from it was the play calling. And, and I know that Rodgers' numbers weren't didn't really stand out. It didn't look like, obviously, last year's Rodgers. But I think I posted on Facebook after the first drive, like that was the exact offense we'd been waiting to see all season long with mm -hmm. uh, just quick three-step drops. Uh, the offensive line didn't have as much pressure on them because we were getting the ball away quickly. And, and number one, I think the routes were shorter and there was more short options. So we saw him hitting more slants and comebacks and things like that quickly. So although maybe the... The point total wasn't wasn't crazy. The yards and touchdowns weren't there, but I think that was the kind of offense that we had to run in that game in order to beat a, a Minnesota team that didn't have a lot of explosive firepower other than a, a run game, which which only put up I think one touchdown for Peterson. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that the offense was pretty... It was nice to see some balance, which I think they've been doing a little bit more since they've started winning here in 2012. And um, i got to agree with that. Again, we lost another offensive lineman in TJ Lang, but it looks like he's going to be okay. Uh, might not play this week. But it was nice to see the running game kind of work, and this is like, what, maybe the second or third time this year that we've kind of seen the running game actually work effectively. So uh, maybe it's becoming a little bit more of a habit for them. One thing I took out of the game, I think, is that um, despite, like you said, not a lot of firepower for the Minnesota Vikings, they did give up 10 yards of carry to Adrian Peterson, but uh, this young defense is still hanging in there. It's uh, giving them enough to be able to win some of these games. Morgan Burnett, who uh, much maligned from us, I guess, uh, had two interceptions, and they were able to take advantage of Christian Ponder, who you know, is is kind of struggling a little bit toward in the second half of this year, but they were able to do what you should do to a bad quarterback, and that's get some turnovers and, and uh, really give your team a chance to win. Mm -hmm. So I think as far as, as the Packers are concerned, the biggest story coming out of today now is kind of a double-edged sword with the potential season-ending injury to James Starks, which necessitated the signing of former Packer and now current Packer Ryan Grant, who is going to turn 30 this Sunday. And uh, they welcome back Ryan Grant. Matt, you were the one who broke that news to me. Uh, that's the second day in a row where you broke some major <laughs> Wisconsin football uh, news here in the state. What was your quick reaction to that? Well, I mean, I was pretty excited. I know we both have been pretty big Ryan Grant fans, and my, my friend Drew actually broke 
to me in the morning, and I was shocked. <laughs> I was like, really? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty surprised by that. But it, it was surprising, but I, I guess it makes sense. Who else out there are you really going to bring in? Mm-hmm. And he knows the system. He's obviously been here. The guys around the locker room like him. I heard he got a standing ovation today when he came in. Um, so, I mean, if, if it's just going to be Alex Green and maybe, what, Mark Tyler if he gets healthier yeah. or whoever else they have there, I, I think it's a pretty good option at backup. Obviously, it hurts to lose Starks after how good he looked on Sunday, but if you're going to bring in a guy, I guess bring in a guy who knows what he's doing in the offense and somebody who can maybe help protect Aaron Rodgers a little bit, I believe that uh, blitz pickups was something that he was at least fairly decent at when he was here before. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think even he w- was starting to improve in kind of his pass-catching skills. Never that he was bad, but remember last year he had, what, an 80-yard touchdown against the Raiders or something like that? On, yeah. Um, I can't remember if that was a run or a pass. I know he's had a, a screen for a touchdown. Uh, maybe that was a couple years back. But anyways, I think he's maybe a more polished all-around player. He's probably a little smarter at this point in his career than Alex Green is. And the big thing that I was excited about, it's kind of a nickname we had given him uh, in recent years, was we always called him the Bear Killer. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up today after we signed him, and our nickname was Apropos. He's actually had more yards against the Bears than he has against any of the teams we've played. Granted, he's played against the Bears a ton, but even compared to his Lions and Vikings uh, productivity, He's very high against the Chicago Bears, has over 600 yards rushing. He actually has over five yards of carry against Chicago over his career, so... Hopefully he can be that once more uh, against the Bears in Soldier Field in a couple of weeks. So uh, you don't like to hear another injury. You wonder what's going to happen to James Starks in the future as this is, what, his, his third year here and the third time he's been either shut down with injury or or a slow start due to injury. So uh, do you think there's a future here for James Starks in Green Bay? I don't know. I mean, I think he's got enough potential to at least hang around, but I I really don't think he's your answer in terms of a starting running back, I guess, unless you're satisfied with just having an average guy back there behind a good passing attack. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I I think they could keep him around and he could be serviceable, but I I think you have to at least be open to looking elsewhere as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, They tend to not draft running backs very high, as as most teams don't really these days. So Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I guess it depends on how they feel about him, if they're satisfied being average at that position then maybe he's your guy I guess uh but the injury prone thing bothers me a little bit here but it, it just seems like we have a cycle of three four guys that that are all pretty average that whoever they plug in will get you three yards of carry and they're they're pretty satisfied with that mm-hmm. yeah it seems like they're satisfied with that but I, I know it's not a priority but you want to get a little bit more out of that position you would yeah. think eventually but I know we talked about that on the full show that kind of got lost to the <laughs> to whatever yesterday but the offensive line has always kind of been a problem too so you almost wonder if they were to try to go make that the running back position a position of emphasis how much difference it would make with the su- subpar or average offensive line they have anyways but mm-hmm. we'll see hopefully he can recover and and get back to form because when he's playing he's he's pretty good he's a he's a pretty good hand like you said he's not going to be uh, a dominant running back or a pro bowl or anything, but he's certainly going to give you better production than you've been getting for better part of this season. So best luck to him, and definitely nice to see Ryan Grant, one of the good guys, uh, a guy I was sad to see go the first time, and uh, nice to see him come back. Apparently that's what you do as a running back for the Packers, or <laughs> you, you just go away and then you come back for a while. Yeah, and it, it, I don't know if you have the same feeling, but it, it feels to me like he's been off the team for like three years, and I know he's been around. <laughs> But it's just, to me, it feels like when we see him in the Packer uniform, it's almost going to be bizarre, like he hasn't been on the team in forever, like when Amon Green came back. But yeah. I mean, he was he was just on the team recently, but I just have memories back of like 2007 when he was 
uh, a really great runner, and it's going to be nice to see him back again. Yeah, I agree. I think that has something to do with last year he was you know, a pretty anonymous role player. Uh, I mean, he was good at what he did, but they really didn't need him that much. And compared to guys like, you know, Finley and Jennings and Jordy, they were throwing the ball all over the place. Ryan Grant really got lost in the shuffle. And then, of course, the year before, he had, what, five, ten carries before yeah. he was injured. So it does feel like it's been, has been three years since he was that, you know, arguably Pro Bowl-level talent. Mm-hmm. So now we move on to the Detroit Lions this coming Sunday night. For some reason, NBC decided to keep that game in the primetime slot. I, I guess they want to try to keep their streak going of some kind of lame Sunday night football games this season. The Detroit Lions are coming to Lambeau Field for the, the second meeting between these two teams this season. Uh, we just saw the Lions a few weeks ago, and the Lions have lost a couple of heartbreakers since then. Matt, what do you expect from Detroit this Sunday? It, I think this is a kind of a critical game for Detroit. As, as much as I think that we can handle it, and I think we can we can come away with a pretty sizable victory here. I mean, this is kind of make or break for them. They have lost some heartbreakers here, and especially last week, how you lose like that. They're supposed to be a good team, and I know they're probably a little overhyped, and I think they overhyped themselves. But I think that uh, to see kind of what this team is, I think a win is, has got to come soon for them with the way that they're playing right now. And But I, I still feel that the Packers, with uh, the way the offense is rolling, if we can keep the run game going, I, I just feel like we can outscore them. And Stafford just hasn't been very impressive lately. Mm-hmm. If if we can have a little bit better game against Calvin Johnson than we did before, I, I think that this could be a, a pretty good margin of victory for us. Yeah, I sure hope so. So you're thinking that maybe, and, and you make a good point, that let's say they only win once or twice or maybe not at all the rest of the year. Do you think there's actually some heat on Jim Schwartz and potentially thinking about making a change for Detroit? I think there's definitely heat on him, but I don't think it would be for the end of this season. I don't think there's any way he loses his job unless something really drastic happens. But I think if they do kind of finish out as poorly as they've been going the last few weeks, that he's definitely going to be on the hot seat for next season then, and maybe he's got to really prove himself then. I, don't, I really don't see any way he gets, uh, gets canned after this year's done. Yeah, I think that's fair. I would agree. I think this should definitely be a win for the Packers. I think they have a chance to win by a couple of touchdowns. I think it'll be close to start and then maybe separate themselves in the second half. Um, Detroit is such a weird team. You just feel like they're really talented in some areas, but they're just... They're one of the least disciplined teams I've ever seen at an NFL level. It just seems like they're kind of just doing stuff out there. <laughs> it's hard to really even tell like what what they're trying to accomplish. And I know they're trying to be tough, but it comes off more as as the guy who's trying to convince himself he's tough as opposed to somebody who actually is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it seems like the the shine came off of them pretty fast and i think arguably it happened middle of last season um even though they went 10 and 6 i mean they started 5 and 0 and then went 10 and 6 so i think this team has definitely got some soul searching to do and hopefully they don't get any answers to that search on sunday night at lambo so you got a score real quick yeah, I, just real quick on the comment you made, it, it was just kind of popped in my head. They kind of almost seem like that pickup truck or like Hummer guy that is just really seems to have to compensate for something else. It, that, it just feels like they, they try to act so tough, and you hear them all the time say, you know, no more Mr. Nice Guy, or we're going to start getting tough. And their version of tough is throwing down players after the after the plays after they get beat for 15 yards. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I really don't think they're that talented. I, I know their defensive front has some names, but I don't really think they're that good. Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of have to go to these antics to try to maybe try to scare people or, or make people think they're a little better than they actually are or tougher than they actually are because mm-hmm. they really don't do it in between the whistles. Um, but I guess in terms of a score then, 
I, I think this could be one of the bigger wins we've had in a while, maybe since Houston. I, I think they'll score some points, but I'm going to predict a little bit higher here, maybe like 35-17, somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah, and I was kind of thinking about the same thing. I, I will say about a 34-20 to kind of game. Um, Detroit still has some firepower that can scare you, but I think the Packers will be able to, to outscore them pretty easily. And I guess the other big story that we uh, were able to talk about yesterday that uh, I thought was, was a pretty good conversation we had had was about the Badgers and Brett Bielema leaving to go to Arkansas. And now there's been a day to kind of think about it. Uh, we had a very interesting uh, SEC versus Big Ten kind of conversation and where does Wisconsin fit in the rankings of, of college football teams in terms of recruiting and whatnot. I don't know if we'll have a chance to, to get into that. Maybe that's something we can touch on in the offseason or something. But I guess, Matt, what is your reaction now having maybe a day to think about it, um, your kind of overall assessment of this whole Brett Bielema situation? Well, I mean, it, it never really made me panic at all. I know we kind of have a little bit different views on this after talking yesterday, but, you know, I, I feel like it's a loss. I feel like he was a good coach. I feel like he was maybe a, li a little undervalued, but I think that the program can keep moving without him. I still think this is a, a program that, starting with Alvarez, has really gotten a name for a school with good defensive linemen, good offensive linemen, great running backs, good linebackers occasionally, and I, th I think that they can still recruit those positions uh, very well, especially if they keep maybe I've, I've heard Paul Chris's name come up as probably the number one candidate mm -hmm. if they can pull him away from Pitt. And, and you know, that just kind of keeps the same thing going, and I feel like they can keep recruiting the same way and at least staying on the same level that they've been, maybe not making, you know, three more consecutive Rose Bowls or anything, but yeah. uh, I feel like this is still going to be a good team in the Big Ten and always a contender here, at least in the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. uh, I know we talked a little bit, bit about yesterday how I, I kind of had hoped a little bit maybe they could bring in a guy who could at least try to crack into the, the southern markets, maybe Texas and Florida more than we've been doing, mm -hmm. and I know we kind of disagreed on that a little bit. I'd still like to do that, and, and I do think it's possible that uh, if they may be pulling the right guy, they can maybe tap into that a little bit. But mm -hmm. I, depending on who they hire, I, I really don't think this is that big of a blow to the Badgers. And I, I think they kind of keep going on the same path that they've been going on for the last, what, almost 20 years now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think depending on who they hire is the key phrase you had there. Um, I think they, there's no reason they can't continue it. I think Barry Alvarez has put in a really good program for, for everybody to follow. Uh, it makes me much more comfortable that he's still on as the athletic director, even losing Bielema. I think that you have to be careful with who you hire, obviously, and I trust that Barry will do a good job in that. Um, and I was trying to think of examples yesterday to show how, you know, these, this kind of success that the Badgers have had has not lasted forever, even for programs that are much more prestigious than the Badgers. And I had mentioned some, and, and today I had actually thought of another one that maybe was a better example than any I used yesterday, and that's Michigan. I mean, look at what's happened to Michigan compared to what they were even, what, six years ago. Yeah. So you have to be careful. You don't want to have the bottom completely fall out of your program, and especially when you're a team like Wisconsin that has a very solid history over the last 20 years, but they're certainly not a, a USC or a Notre Dame or a Michigan or Ohio State. Uh, you have to be careful that you, you stay Wisconsin and not – I mean, because you could easily fall back into the Purdue's of the world that, you know, have had good teams. Maybe not Purdue. Maybe Iowa's a better example that yeah. has had – success uh, at different times throughout their history, but uh, never really surpassed the Ohio States and Michigans and Penn States of the Big Ten. So I think they can sustain this. I 
I guess the biggest thing that's bothering me right now is the uncertainty of it all. I, I never thought Brett Bielema was going to get them a national championship. I never thought he was the reason they weren't getting them, like some fans of the Badgers, I think. But um, So I think he was a really good coach. I think in time he'll probably get more credit than he's getting now from Badger fans and, and some of the media for his tenure here. But uh, I'm, I agree with you that if they hire the right guy, they should be able to continue on this course. Uh, real quick, Matt, before we wrap this up here on our abbreviated version, uh, what are your thoughts on Barry Alvarez potentially coaching the Rose Bowl that's been kicked around? Yeah, and I actually think it's going to happen, and I'm actually a little bit excited about it. I mean, he's not calling the offensive plays anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like he's going to ha- be a good presence down there. I feel like he could really get these guys fired up a bit. And, you know, I could see maybe some negatives to it, but I think it will be. it'll at least be kind of a cool thing to see. I, I don't have big expectations for them to win the game or anything, so mm-hmm. and maybe if we get to see Barry on the sidelines one last time, that would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So I guess I, w- I would like to see it. I think it would add another little dimension to the game and maybe give the batters a, another slight edge that they probably desperately need. Yeah, that's a really good point. And what does that do to Barry Alvarez as far as his uh, reputation, not only in all of college football, but as a, a legend at Wisconsin, if he walks out from his uh, athletic director's office onto the field at Pasadena and wins the Rose Bowl as a huge <laughs> underdog. <laughs> to go 4-0, I mean, that would just be a real awesome story. The thing I thought of while I was reading today about Barry Alvarez potentially coaching the Rose Bowl is like, if only he could have done that against TCU. They definitely would have beat TCU with Barry Alvarez coaching, I think. Yeah. Stuffing it down their throats a hundred times a game, so... We'll see. It'll be interesting, and maybe we'll get a chance to touch on that as we know more. Obviously, we've got about a month to wait before the Rose Bowl, so hopefully we'll have uh, something to say about that as we get a little bit closer. All right, well, with that, we're already going to wrap it up here for Green and Gold Forever. Um, We had another show that we wanted to give to you yesterday. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Maybe someday if they invent some new technology that can get in the part of the audio that I lost, we can play it for you but right now we sound like a couple of robots talking underwater and uh, I don't think anybody <laughs> wants to listen to that for 45 minutes so uh, unfortunately we're not going to be able to hear that uh, I want to thank everybody who's checked the webpage and Facebook the last couple of days and uh, looked for our regular podcast I'm going to try to figure out what exactly happened yesterday and make sure that that doesn't happen anymore and we'll have a full show again for you guys all next week so thanks everybody for listening once again and uh, have a good week everyone take care